Welcome one, welcome all to the Simple Politics Podcast. I am your host and political gladiator, Kobe Omanaka. And with me, as always, are my co-hosts and political emperors in Tatton and Diane. How are you doing this week, guys? Hey, Kobe, we're great. You, you sound a bit different this week. Yeah. Everything okay? Yeah, good, thanks, Diane. How are you? Oh, yeah. <laughs> this is amazing. He doesn't sound any different at all. This is exactly what he sounds like. <laughs> it's not. He has much, much silkier tones, but... Oh, um... hello. Hello, how hello. are you? Hi. Uh, yeah, uh, apologies to Kobe for that terrible impression of him, but yeah. Excellent uh... impression. Oh, thanks, Tatton. You're, you're such a supportive boss. <laughs> Today, Kobe's away, so it's me, Charlotte trying to step into his shoes uh, and already not doing as good a job as he would do. So how have you guys been this week? Oh, I love this with you as host. It's really fun. It's fun. Fun. So <laughs> we're good. We're good. It was lovely. We were all together last week on Friday. Oh, that so was great. lovely. Just riding the good vibes from that and into another week of politics. Woohoo! Yeah, it's only the fifth time we've ever met mm. in almost three years of working together. So at some point we've got to stop that counting. Like, like the first time was like, oh my god, it's the first time, and then the second time, you know. Yeah, yeah. No, you don't turn up to your friends and go like, this is the fifty-fifth time we've seen each other, do you? <laughs> no, but I guess uh, I don't. I don't know. I mean, this is my first kind of remote working job, so normally I'd see my colleagues like every day. I talk to you almost every day. So the fact that I've worked with you for almost three years and still only the fifth time you've met. So what? I mean, are, are we going to go? Are we going to go to the big ten? Are we going to yeah. go to the double figures and then stop? Like Let's again, it's uh, when you have a child, <laughs> yeah. you do months until yeah. you do years. Yeah, you don't have a hundred and twenty-month-year-old when they're ten. I guess it also depends on how long we end up working together because you know, oh, if we work together oh, for ten. No. For, no, no, not in a bad way, but as an example, I think it's, it's all relative. If we work together for ten years and only meet up ten times, that is still quite remarkable do you know what mm. i mean anyway yeah did i dig myself out of that hole you did. okay you did. cool uh should we move on before i dig myself into any other holes let's go for it I why mean, not i would say i would say no i want to see i want to see the holes <laughs> that are going to be dug but i suppose we better talk about politics yeah i would like to still have a job by the end of this podcast we'll see how it goes the first thing we do is we go to the top post so tatton what have we got in third place this week? So the third biggest post this week was an announcement there'll be strikes on the 5th and the 7th of July by Teachers in England, NEU, National Education Union Teachers in England. It isn't a surprise. They've been talking about doing more strikes. They're not currently in talks with the government because the government aren't giving them anything that they're asking for. And especially, crucially, vitally, it needs to be paid for by the government not any pay rises, anything else needs to come from the government, not existing school budgets, because, oh my gosh, existing school budgets are so tight already. While the government aren't offering that, they are not talking to teachers. And the teachers' unions are saying, well, what are we achieving here? We need to up the ante. We need to go for it. We need more strike action. We need to show we're serious. They are not necessarily the most popular dates the 5th and 7th of July because you're in a period where you've got sports days going on and possibly more importantly you're in a period where you've got transition days so whole areas have secondary schools 
make space for primary schools. And it's got to be the same day because you can't have one school and another school. So it's all got to be the same day. And the fifth and the seventh appear to be quite popular days for those things. And so it's it's about preparing for next year. And it's also sports days and other summer things that people have been kind of looking forward to all year. So they're difficult dates. But the NEU might be choosing them because they're difficult dates. See how much you need us. See how much you need us, teachers. We're going to use that muscle, get back to the table with us, and we can sort something so we don't have to strike in the autumn. How believable they're not talking, you know, as in the government haven't got anything on the table for them to go in and talk about, because the NHS pay deal is kind of sorted in a way. Not everyone's happy, obviously, but yeah, why, why not teachers? Because the government are going, you're not having it. Mm. We've given you a 5% pay rise. We've given you a fair pay offer. You know, strike, like kind of whatever. Go and ruin your schools. Go and, you know, ruin the education of your children if you want to. I know you don't want to. You'll get bored of it. Is that, That's always when you get to these strike battles. That's what it comes down to. We will last you out. I mean, most famously, the miners' strike and Thatcher. Thatcher had built up a battle chest of lots of extra coal. And they did a lot of striking in the summer when people use less coal. She was just like, go for it. I've told you what's happening. Yeah. You go for it. Yeah. Back in those days, strikes would be continuous. Mm. You wouldn't pick a couple of days. You'd go on strike and you wouldn't go back to work until it was sorted. And and then she knew she could outlast the, the, the miners and she just stood there and let it happen. And then sure enough, the miners went back to work. And Arthur Scargill was the leader of that the, the National Mining Union. And uh, he said, we're going back to work. And it's still very bitter there. But that's, that, that's often the government approach. We just don't have a battle chest of... Uh tens of thousands of other teachers though do we so interesting <laughs> what would that look like <laughs> yeah no if, if my sports day had been cancelled i'd been happy with that my role at the secondary school sports days was uh to run the snacks uh, shop so there we go oh nice it was great fun anyway diane what have we got at number two Okay, number two is just a bit of mopping up as to the privilege committee report. So we knew that MPs were going to go into uh, the Commons on Monday, talk about it, and they got to vote on it as well. Now, this vote, to be honest, didn't have as much impact as it would have done if Boris Johnson was still there. Obviously, more people would have turned up, more people would have been excited about it. There wouldn't have been as many abstentions if it was about actually what penalties he was going to have to face as an MP, but he'd already gone. So lots of people abstained, 225 MPs abstained. And I guess a lot of people in the comments were pretty peeved off about that, to be honest, because they wanted an MP to take a stand either way about this report. So there was quite a lot of that, but it was huge. It was um, only seven people voted against the report, seven people. So hopefully that's a line drawn under things. I'm hoping by next week's podcast, we don't mention Boris Johnson again. I hate all of this. And I've got to admit that um, I said we shouldn't do a post on this vote mm. because I stayed up late. I mean, late for me, it was like half nine. I stayed up late to watch it and I just got really cross because it's just, 
it's just nonsense. And then Charlotte was like, no, we should really post. And Diana was like, yeah. I was like, oh, okay, fine. And then here it is at number two in mm. our top post. Imagine how popular the post of me ranting about it would have been if uh, <laughs> I'd done it that night. But the point is, the point is we need better politics than this. Do we, Tatton? What, what a broken system where hundreds of Conservative MPs can't vote against the report because that's a ridiculous thing to do because this is a report by a House of Commons committee that the House of Commons has set up and was a, was a constitutionally strong report. They can't vote against it, but they can't vote against the person against whom the report has found because their constituents still have this kind of vision of Boris that we need to we need to, to vote for and, and, and love and and it, it undermines Parliament. It undermines the credibility of the MPs. And we spent eight, like four hours on this debate while we're not solving the country's problems. We're not... I mean, this country, there's so many things in this country that need fixing. We're going to talk about one in a minute. And we're not doing it. The House of Commons finished at 4.30 on Tuesday. They're not doing anything. There was, you know, this this week we've had Boris Johnson. We've had a Labour kind of thing that, that they knew wasn't going to go anywhere. We've had two backbench debates. We've had the finance, but we've had nothing happening. And we need a better politics. All of which is why you should pre-order my book. <laughs> Politics, but better. An A to Z guide to creating a more hopeful future. Like, it does matter. It does matter that we do better than this. And this week has really shown us the absolute state of it. And it just so happens I've written a book about how we can do it better, uh, which is available to pre-order wherever you pre-order your books, including Harbour Books in Whitstable, where I will sign it if you go to Harbour Books in Whitstable online. You can pre-order it, and that's important too. It's not as important as actually making our politics better, but it's a step towards it. Go on, do it. Thank goodness for your book. I was about to ask, how do we do that? And that's how we do it. We pre-order your book. That's how we make politics better. That's that's a step in the and right then- direction, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then read the book, then enact some of the suggestions. But, you know, baby steps. Baby steps. Brilliant. Okay, so Tatton, what was the most popular post this week? Well, I don't. I think it was the most liked post. And sometimes I just think that people, if, if there were unlike buttons, mm. then you'd get that. Because, yes. we, because this is the yeah. biggest, this is the single biggest story around. Mortgages are going up. And rent is therefore going up as well. A lot of people have buy to let mortgages. It's huge. And the amount of money that people have. A lot of people's mortgages going up, but there's about £400 a month. Mm -hmm. And who has £400 a month just lying around waiting to be sucked up by a mortgage? So things have to be cut. Now, talking in the Commons about forcing people to take lodgers, and things like that, like extra ways or cutting back on food or, or, or whatever else. We've seen that in London, over 40% of spending goes on rent. 40%. I mean, I live, I live here in Whitstable and we've got lots of, as I know you do, Diane, not here in Whitstable, but, but lots of holiday homes, lots of Airbnbs. Yeah, yeah. And that means that nobody is renting to 
regular people because you make much more money by renting it as a holiday home every weekend to, to out-of-towners than you do by supporting a family renting, which means that it doesn't make financial sense, which means that the places that do rent to families are super expensive. And this cycle goes on and on and on, and you can't afford a mortgage, and no one can anymore, and you can't afford to rent. So what do you do? And this is a story, this is the story that uh, looks now like it's going to lose Rishi Sunak at the election next year. Because house owners are more likely to vote conservative, and if their mortgage is squeezed, they ain't voting conservative. And renters are more likely to vote Labour, and if their rent is quite so high, they're also not going to vote Conservative. This issue matters, and it's going to change the way the country is run over the next 18 months. It's quite scary as a renter. Then again, even you know when I've worked full-time and not been messing about with a PhD, my rent's always been 40-50% of my income. But it's all all right, guys, because... It's sunny outside, so... It is, it is. So we don't need to pay heating bills right now, which is good. Oh, yeah, but the electricity I'm spending on my fan. Oh. <laughs> Do you know what is positive? Is heading over to the mailbag and talking Ooh. to our lovely listeners. Because yeah. we get so many good questions from you guys. Um, as ever, please, if you've got any questions, send them in to us. Um, we can answer them on here. Send us a voice note. That's even better. We get to hear your voices. Diane, do we have any questions this week? Always. I mean, we put the shot out every week and we always get some good questions. We really do. And it's sometimes quite tricky and hard to choose. And sometimes I just do it on a bit of a whim, to be honest. <laughs> and can I just can I just ask Diane, yes. were any of the questions about politics but better an A to Z guide to creating a more hopeful future? I'm sure you're gonna segue that in. <laughs> I'm sure you are. <laughs> I just, I'd imagine some of the questions would be about that. Yes, um, yes. Out of 10, how great is it? Yeah. It's 10. <laughs> yeah, there you go. I think most of the questions were about that, but Diane's mm. whim kind of went, oh, maybe not. Oh, away from yeah. That. Oh, okay. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. Not more of that. Um, but this one is just my fave. It's fun. And I think given we're talking about quite heavy subjects and mortgages and the financial situation, you know, let's go for one that's kind of like dreaming big. And um, this one is from Hughalicious, also great. Um, Hughalicious on Instagram. Is that Hugh Edwards? Because I know Hugh Edwards follows us. <laughs> he, is that... he is lovely, Hugh is Edwards, no? but he's not. He he is. I don't think he's, he's not Hughalicious. No, no. Okay. Oh, that's a shame. <laughs> yes. And basically, uh, he is asking how he can become prime minister. Yo. Uh, basically, yeah, I was wondering, so I'm in college, year 12 at the moment, and I'm doing politics, and I'm going to do politics and international relations at uni. And I was just wondering if you had any advice on how I can become prime minister, because that's, that's the dream at the moment. Yes, Hugh. Yes, Hugh. I love this question. Advice on becoming a prime minister. Let's run through. Let's run through a few things. First of all, we don't have a presidential system. So basically, basically, you've got to be in a party, right? So you join your favorite flavor of party, and then you get to work. And you get to work promoting them and handing leaflets through doors and knocking on doors and phoning people up at election time and get involved locally. And then maybe at some point, you then become a councillor. You can represent your party on a council 
level. And if you're particularly good at that or interested or engaged with people, you can put your name down to be an MP for the party you're standing. And if you're selected as the candidate, then maybe you'll get elected as an MP, maybe. I mean, a lot of people get given not very good seats to start off with, a seat where your party's got no chance, right? And so you have to do it a few times. And this takes a long time because if there's five years between elections or even three years between elections we've been having recently, every time you don't get elected, it's another three, five years. So if you don't get elected twice and you get elected on the third time, that's that could be 10 to 15 years later. So this is about commitment. And all that time you're campaigning because you're involved with the party. And it's not cynical because you're campaigning to make the world a better place as you see it. You are in politics to improve things for everyone. So if you win a campaign in your local area to protect a park or to stop a nightclub opening outside a care home, right? If that's if that's what you're doing, you're doing good work. Then there's, no, there's nothing wasted here. But then after a while, you get elected and you get to go into the House of Commons and represent your constituents in that party. Now, if your party's won the whole election, they're in government and there is a prime minister, not you yet, Hugh. There is a prime minister in charge, right? And the prime minister in charge will select their team their top team called called the, the cabinet and then a larger one for the government. And you you might be given, I don't know, uh, social care because you did such a great job stopping that nightclub. You're going to be given social care as a, as a thing. And if you do a good job there, you get promoted into the cabinet. So you could be the, the, the minister for health and social care and be in charge of all of that. And then when the prime minister resigns, you can throw your hat into the ring. You can persuade your fellow MPs that you're the one. If enough of them votes for you, you will then be in the final two or three different parties do it differently. But you'll be in the final selection and then the members will have to vote for you. And if all the members vote for you, you've only gone and done it, Hugh. Woo! You're the Prime Minister. So advice on how to do it is to get going now. You're in year 12. You know what your political views are. You know the party that you would like to join. Get going. Start making the world better. And then each step of the way, make the world a better place. And then it's possible. I mean, anything's possible. Go for it. When we have Prime Minister Hugh Elicious and he does his first speech, please remember Hugh Elicious to thank the Simple Politics podcast for the advice you've been given that will be the main reason why you've become PM. It's here and now we are making prime ministers people. Yeah, I mean, I, I, it feels it now feels like it's inevitable. Yes. That one yes. day Hugh Alicious will be there. But of course, the reality is, the reality is that lots of the prime ministers we've got, they've all gone to Oxford. All our recent ones have gone to Oxford. And, and then there's a fast track for people who are in the Oxford Debating Society, for people, because once you're there, you get involved in politics there, you can kind of sneak through and get given a much nicer seat. And if you get given a good seat first time round, that 15 years you're waiting to be candidate, doesn't really matter. You might be able to skip the council a bit. That doesn't really matter. You spend a bit of time, you might go into to do, do a little bit of work in industry or the, or the city or something like that, and then you kind of get, get that safe seat. And then you're in Parliament and everyone knows that you're 
everyone's got an eye on you. And so you get a place in, as a junior minister, early doors. And so so that's how you get young mm. prime ministers. Yeah. and it, But it's an interesting point, all that fast track stuff, because Angela Rayner was talking about it yesterday from Labour, saying about how she very much wants to get a bigger diversity of candidate and people into politics. And she's going to be looking at that. And she said... It'd be interesting to follow this story, but she said she wouldn't just look at it as in a feed for the Labour Party. She wants more people in general involved in politics. So that's an interesting point, and I hope that's true. Yeah, I mean, I hope it's true. And and you know what she's doing? What she's doing is trying to make the world a better place. And that's what politics is about. And we should always applaud that when politicians come out and say, this is my plan. I'm a big fan of cross-party working. I'm like, I just like, wouldn't it be great if Keir Starmer and Rishi Sunak had a meeting and then gave a press conference afterwards every month, yeah, about what they agree, yeah. what they agree on, yes. what they've sat down together. Because all the focus is on confrontation and fighting on the margins, but there's so much on which they agree, and we could get things done rather than electioneering from day one. It would be such a good example to our kids if they did that. Just mind blowing. Yeah. yeah. Do you know where I've written about that? Where have you written about that, Tatton? Have you got a book coming out, Tatton? <laughs> I don't know if I've mentioned it. Mm. Uh, but yeah, there's a whole chapter about that in there. But anyway, let's move on. Awesome. Talking of our leaders, we're moving on to PM Watch. Except our spies have been out this week following Rishi. They've not come back with much. What's been going on there? He had a meeting, a very important meeting on Monday. It was very important. Is it really uh, important? With, I believe the Swedish Prime Minister. Um, and he couldn't make it to the Commons uh, to vote on Boris Johnson or not. Um, uh. You see, the thing about the Prime Minister is that they live really near the Commons, right? They live really near. There are tunnels. There is a tunnel that goes from number 10 Downing Street into Portcullis House away from where you can go through to the House of Commons. It's probably a five minute walk. Uh, Here's a fun fact. No one uses that corridor most of the time. So it's where I used to go and cry. (laughs) So that's the most fun fact you've ever said. Sorry. (laughs) So he, he could have done because, because it takes 10 minutes round trip, go and vote, pop back. Like, Whatever. Anyway, he did. It was a very important meeting. With I mean, the Prime Minister of Sweden's never, never felt so important in his life. <laughs> oh, you can't duck out for a minute here. But whatever. He's had a very quiet week. He's not done much. So we're going to talk about Keir Starmer today. And he went to he well he went to Scotland because he suddenly developed a newfound interest in Scotland as the SNP have collapsed. And it's all about green energy, and he's going to be—he's going to be doing a lot of his announcements are up there because they've said we're not going to open any more oil fields off the coast of Scotland, off Aberdeen or anywhere, in fact. And uh, people in Scotland are furious about this because oil is a big business in Aberdeen. Aberdeen's effectively an oil town. The Conservative Party say this is ridiculous because, yes, we need to have fewer oils, oil-based things, but we will need oil to 2050 and maybe a little bit beyond while we transition. And if we don't start digging new things now, we will continue to be reliant on foreign oil. 
until that time. So to say you're not going to get more oil is just virtue signaling because we'll still be using the same amount of oil. It would just be ours and it would be, we'd be more energy secure. And we wouldn't be kind of at the whim of people like Putin. So he went up there and he was talking about green energy and how Labour are going to create the forefront in green energy. They're going to be the number one place in the world. He said, somewhere's got to be the number one place in the world for this stuff. Let's make it here. Let's make it us. And that's going to create jobs in and of itself. And so we know he's going to create great British energy as, a, as an energy supplier. You can choose to join rather than privatizing other ones. You can choose to join them. And then all their energy is going to be made in Scotland and other places. And he's also going to stop communities being able to say no to solar farms and wind farms. At the moment, onshore wind is banned and Labour are like, we've got to get that stuff back. We've got to. Got to, got, to, got to get it back. Because solar panels are, way, are good when it's sunny. And then wind is good when it's windy. And the combination of the two gives us more consistent energy rather than hoping for one or the other. But there's so many ways of doing it. Tidal energy as well is a really big one that's gonna, that we're going to see coming through. So lots of good things. There was a very interesting thing, sorry, as an aside, about creating a global power network and if we had a global power network if we put cabling around the globe then you could have solar panels in saharan africa piping all the energy they need for for europe like it's all going around the place and like, i don't know where the windiest place is somewhere like in the i don't know Chicago. i don't know where the windiest place is <laughs> i don't know <laughs> <laughs> Um, but this is but this is all this is all possible if we're being creative and also realistic about what we can do for this climate emergency and Keir Starmer didn't go into all of this stuff he's still quite vague about exactly what it's going to be but it's exciting to have someone looking at how we can solve this problem yeah it was good it's, it's amazing things we could achieve if we work together, but we need to make our politics better for that. Tatton, do you have any ideas how we could do that? None. None. I mean, okay. Z, Z in politics with better is with zero emissions, and it's about how we, do, how we deal with that, of course. Um, I knew you'd have an idea there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there we go. What a shot. Diane, how's Labour doing in Scotland at the moment? Polling is tricky, isn't it? Especially when you're about 500 days from an election, polling is tricky. <laughs> oh, yeah, a lot of people got very excited on Sunday. The Sunday Times published a poll which showed that Labour, for the first time since 2010, could actually win in Scotland because the SNP are on such a decline. Now, that is obviously to be taken with, you know, a huge sax assault and, you know, all the rest of it. But it's given a little bit of a spring in the step to, to Labour in Scotland, definitely. You know, Keir Starmer really should be living his best life at the moment because he's got Conservative infighting in Westminster. He's got the SNP kind of having all their difficulties in Scotland. And, you know, he, he should be making hay while the sun is shining that's the phrase isn't it so he should be doing that while while it's the summer solstice week he should be making hay and making you know good gains on this yeah interesting times for uh labor above the border but what he needs to do 
is be not just not other parties. Mm. If you position yourself as a default vote, because people people's mortgages are awful, they don't want to vote Conservative. Because you know Nicola Sturgeon has been arrested, they don't want to vote SNP. If you create yourself as as that figure, then you can do really well in the polls. But when it comes to election time, the other parties can come up with policies and interesting things and engaging things, and suddenly your support can disappear. So we are beginning to see a couple of very vague policy announcements from Keir Starmer because he he wants to he wants to get through that he has policies and ideas and he wants to appeal to people, but he also really wants to not piss people off. Mm-hmm. So it has to be quite oh, vague it's like because, because it's walk. got to be on the fence. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Well, the, the, the other issue is if he announces policies now and then with the economy being so uncertain, you don't know if you'll be able to follow through with those policies if we've got another year to go. He doesn't want to say, oh, we're going to spend this amount on X and then there'd be no money in a year's time. Oh, he's done so many U-turns. Well, that's, that's the issue. You don't want to make any more at this point. The Keir Starmer we have now is totally different beast to the Keir Starmer we had when he was running to be Labour leader. They need to have something, because we had Rachel Reeves this morning. She's the shadow chancellor, and she was on the radio this morning, and she she kept on basically saying, I wouldn't start from here. What are you going to do now? Well, we're only in the position we're in because the Conservatives have mismanaged everything. It's like, well, sure, or not, or whatever, but... When you take over the country, which you say you're going to do, what are you going to do now? How are you going to... And then she mumbled something about the windfall tax on like energy companies. Like, yep, you've already spent that on health. You've told us that money is going on health. You can't now also use it to support people who are in trouble with their mortgages. So it doesn't, it doesn't feel... I mean, to be fair, James Cleverly, the... Uh, Foreign Secretary was also a mess this morning about what he was going to do about inflation because it's so difficult. But giving us something to believe in is really important. And just to go back to what we're actually talking about is that that's what Keir Starmer is almost doing when he's in Scotland this week. He was very close to giving us something to believe in without the actual, any actual detail that we could then believe in. Let's go to our crystal ball. What do you guys think is going to happen in the next week? We're recording on Thursday. This comes out on Friday. Um, Any minute now, we will know that the interest rate is most likely to have gone up again. The Bank of England announces at midday. And that will then have a knock-on effect on people who are borrowers. Borrowing gets more expensive when the interest rate goes up. Okay, so... That is going to continue to be the big story, I think, next week. People will be wanting the government to do more and the government will be saying we can't do more because of inflation. So it's um, that deadlock of not wanting to act because if, if they provide direct help and people then do have some more disposable income, it's, it's not great for inflation, blah, 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 blah. It's, it's just that, yeah. What a situation. Very tricky. And also just quite difficult for a lot of people to understand, apart from seeing what is practically happening to them. Tatton. I just want to talk about Parliament, what's going on in Parliament. 
because we've got these bills ping-ponging that I talk about every week. The EU regulations bill, the Lords did put back in. They did insist. I think I said last week that they wouldn't, but I was incorrect. They did insist on two amendments that say you cannot touch environmental regulations that the EU put in place, right? The Lords are really keen on that. And the Commons are really keen that they have the flexibility to touch whatever they want. They don't want any restrictions at all in this bill. That's not necessarily because they want to water down the environmental things. They just, they just, the whole point of this bill is they can go through them all and do it themselves. So they're taking it out and, uh, and they voted, the Commons voted to get rid of those again. So we're going to, that's going to be back in the Lords next week. Because when it gets to this stage, it's all quite quick. It's one day, then another. Sometimes t- time is scheduled in an afternoon, so the Lords can do it in the morning, send it over in the afternoon. Like it's that, it's that quick. And then the other is the minimum strike level, uh, minimum service during strikes. And again, the Lords insisted on an amendment that says you cannot fire a nurse if the nurse refuses to work when they've been given a work notice on a strike and the government have taken it out again because they say there's no point in this bill if people can refuse to work so we'll see what happens there both of those are going to be in the house of lords and then back in the commons next week we'll see how they run this is the real business this is where changes are being made are not made and we're working out what we want to do as a country our representatives are in the commons we voted for them they're there in the commons these experts from the lords they're doing it the lords currently got all the big piece of legislation we've still got this season are in are in the lords at the moment um the online safety bill and the leveling up bill and a couple of others are in are in there and they will all come back to the commons which is partly why the commons are kicking about with nothing to do just waiting for these to come through but these are the things that matter I will keep talking about them until we know exactly what's happened because it's important. So some big things to look out for there. Uh, I foresee that Kobe will be back next week. <laughs> Our listeners will be very pleased to hear. And I will be in Sweden, actually. Ooh. So, yes, not on holiday, presenting at an academic conference. So Sounds um, like a holiday to me. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. I love, I love academic conferences. They are so fun. <clears throat> I believe that is all for this week. So, yeah, it's been lovely talking to you guys. Yeah, it's been awesome. Thank you, Charlotte. Thank you so much, Charlotte. Yeah, it's lovely to have you. Thank you. Lovely to be here. And if you've listened this long, uh, thank you very much for listening. Tatn and Diane, we'll see you next week. Thank you, guys. just heard a stripped media production.